Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, January 15th, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book, chapter on more about alcoholism, and we are on page 37, the last paragraph. Our behavior is absurd. Uh, Today's readers are Robin L. for the 12 Steps, Nancy S. for the 12 Traditions. Um, For the text will be Sylvia F., Charles H., Elaine B., and Alice M. The reference number for yesterday, which was Wednesday, January 14th, is 7 one eight five. O A preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Robin L. to please read the 12 steps. Hi, everyone. This is Robin L., a recovered compulsive overeater from Virginia, and the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Well, thank you, Robin. 
I will now ask Nancy S. to please read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Janice M. This is Nancy S. from Wisconsin, a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name <clears throat> excuse me, ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I'll pass. And thank you, Nancy S., how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. That's a gentle reminder that when we do that, we have a nice clear line. And so today, we resume our study of the big book in the chapter more about alcoholism, on page 37, the last paragraph that begins with our behavior is absurd. And I will ask Sylvia F. to begin reading. Good morning, uh, visionaries. This is Sylvia, uh, recovered compulsive overeater from upstate New York. Suddenly the thought 
Oh, I'm sorry. Our behavior is as absurd and incomprehensible with respect to the first drink as that of of an individual with a passion, say, for jaywalking. He gets a thrill out of skipping in front of fast-moving vehicles. He enjoys himself for a few years in spite of friendly warnings. Up to this point, you would label him as a foolish chap for having queer ideas of fun. Luck then deserts him, and he is slightly injured several times in, in succession. You would expect him, if he were normal, to cut it out. Presently, he is hit again, and this time he has a fractured skull. Within a week after leaving the hospital, a fast-moving trolley car breaks his arm. He tells you he has decided to stop jaywalking for good, but in a few weeks, he breaks both legs. On through the years, his conduct continues, accompanied by his continual promises to be careful or to keep off the streets altogether. Finally, he can no longer work. His wife gets a divorce, and he is held up to ridicule. He tries every known means to get the jaywalking idea out of his head. He shuts himself up in an asylum, hoping to mend his ways. But the day he comes out, he races in front of a fire engine, which breaks his back. Such a man would be crazy, wouldn't he? So here we are back to to this this example that so many of us know about, which is the jaywalking example. And uh, there's uh, there's three different points in here that this that this example is trying to make. And the first on the top of page 38, it says you would expect him if he were normal to cut it out. So this is making the case once again that, you know, those of us who really need this program or who want this program, we are not normal. And how are we not normal the book has been telling us through the doctor's opinion and all the way through that we have uh, a twofold problem. We have a physical addiction and we have the obsession of the mind. And here we're, we're really talking about the obsession of the mind because if he were normal, I could make a decision to simply stop. And so if I can't stop, this is just demonstrating to me that I am not uh, normal. And then the next part at the end of that paragraph, he says, he tells you he has decided to stop jaywalking for good. So I have a mental obsession going that I can't stop thinking about, but I've decided through self-will only that I've decided, I've decided to go on a diet. I've decided not to eat uh, uh, compulsively. I've decided not to restrict. I've decided not to overexercise. I've decided not to starve. I've, I've made a decision to stop for good, but in a few weeks he breaks both legs because self-will is giving us the example that self-will, my own self-determination cannot stop this or I would. I wouldn't need to be here if I could make the decision and stop. So then he says he tries every known means to get the jaywalking idea out of his head. And this is the obsession of the mind and this is exactly what it's like for me. That odd. I don't even know where that idea is coming from. All I know is that I'm thinking about a food item or getting to a food item more than I can be talking to you, watching a TV program, doing a chore, doing my work at the workplace, uh, listening to my children, that I have an obsession of the mind that is so profound that I cannot get it out of my head. 
And it wouldn't matter if you could put me on an island and, and uh, you know, I could get to a normal body weight and I would be in pain and agony because I'd have to feel my feelings. And the minute you took me off that island, in fact, I would go right back to the mini mart. I'd go right back to the aisles in the store that are just craziness for me. And it says here, such a man would be crazy, wouldn't he? So when I came into program, uh, you know, and they, they, they told me, you know, that many people put down sugar and flour and get rid of the physical addiction. And I did that. But then it doesn't get rid of my obsession of the mind. My crazy thoughts are still there. So the physical allergy is gone, but my, my crazy head is still with me. And so what it's, what it's telling us through the rest of this chapter is it's establishing I am crazy. My brain is crazy. It's an addict. All I know to solve any problem or to have, if I have any feeling, any thought, all I've known is uh, to eat, to put my hand in some kind of container and eat. And so what it's going to tell us is that the solution is the steps in this connection with God. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Okay. Thank you, Sylvia F. Okay. Um, we're going Ballad. to... We're going to... Uh, this is... At this time... This is Bella. Can I share? Yeah. At this time, I'm just going to make sure... Be, uh, gently that we the moderator thanks the previous speaker and then we will get shares okay that might go very well okay i did hear sally, sally and i heard okay. bella and who else? yes okay, larry who, and larry and whom else and Bass, i'd like to share please Okay, see, that went so well. Let's do it again. It reminds me of the milk, the whiskey and the milk. Sally, please go ahead. <laughs> Thank you, Janice. Good morning, Ambition, for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, a recovered compulsive eater. And, of course, there's just so much here. I just wanted to, to have an opportunity to speak to the fabulous story of the jaywalker um, because there is just really a powerful story. Um, to begin with, I wanted to say that um, I, I identify with the jaywalker um, because this guy is explaining that he had a progressive illness as far as being a jaywalker. He's moving in front of fast vehicles. He's getting slightly injured. Then he's getting a fractured skull. Then he's breaking both legs. Eventually, he's he's running and he's playing with fire trucks and he breaks his back. So I see the progressive nature of my own disease and... Um, and the way I used to play with food, and I'd finally get myself um, far away from the sugar and the flour, and I've had so many times of doing that, and yet I would throw myself back into, um, a, basically, I put myself back into a, a quicksand pit. And so I, I identify with this guy so much. Um, see, another thing that we see here, it says here at the bottom of the page, he gets a thrill out of skipping in front of fast-moving vehicles. And I identify with that. Um, Bill talks about the, on page um, two in his story, out of this alloy of drink and speculation, he was, you know, Bill had that same thing where he was enjoying the exhilarating 20s and the, uh, the excitement of drink and the fact that it was illegal. This guy is experiencing the same thrill, and I can remember the thrill of running around and figuring out what my binge was, my next binge was going to be. And it was, you know, it was fun when I was, you know, in that early phases. 
but it wasn't so fun when I began to realize that like a, a monkey with their hands in a jar with holding on to a peanut, you know, that I couldn't get my hand out of the jar. I marvel that the big book talks about the guy with the hammer hitting his, his head with a hammer. Um, Bill talks about um, the boomerang that, that almost cut him to ribbons. It talks about burning our hand on a hot stove. And here again, they're giving us one more example that might seem to sound as being ridiculously um, exaggerated. But the truth of the matter is, I often say to my own sponsees, stop playing with fire trucks. Stop playing with fire. You're going to get burned. You're going to break your back. And that's what I think we're, what the, the lesson here is for all of us. We've got to stop playing and take this thing seriously. And for those of you who haven't yet, put the food down. Today is a great day to make it day one. And um, thanks for letting me share, Janice, that I pass. And thank you, Sally. Okay, Bella, you're up. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Such a man would be crazy, wouldn't he? Yes, before the program, I I knew that I am crazy. I believed that I am crazy. And this is the way I acted. I acted like a crazy. I knew that I am in control of in other areas in, the, in my life. I knew that I have the control. So, yes, most probably I am crazy. How come I don't have a control in regarding my eating? How come I am running again and again and again into the food, so most probably I am crazy. And this is the way that I believe, and most probably other people believe this too. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that now I am in the program. I know that it's nothing to do with me. Well, I am human, and I don't have the power. And yes, I have a disease that I have an obsession in the mind, and it's nothing to do with my craziness. And thank you, God, that now I know that I am connected to God, to a power higher than myself, and it's a power that accepts me and respects me. And today I know, yes, I have an allergy in the body, an obsession in the mind, and it's nothing to do with my craziness. And I need to be connected to, to this higher power to know that that this is the power that saves that saves me and takes me out from the obsession in the mind. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Well, thank you, Bella. Okay, Larry, you're next. <laughs> Thanks, Janice. Uh, thank you for your service. Larry Kay, uh, recovered uh, compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, yeah, so we, I mean, we, we're reading here, you know, about a guy. Uh, you know, that was that was playing in traffic. And, uh, you know, early on when I used to play in traffic, early in my disease, when I reflect back, um, you know, I would dodge and dart in around the fast food, you know, uh, you know, the fast food lanes and the in and out of the convenience stores. And it was, uh, you know, I got a thrill out of it. <laughs> I got a tremendous thrill out of that. And other people you know, saw my craziness at times when I wasn't hiding, you know, because early on I, I wasn't uh, maybe as full of the shame, um, still a little bit, but uh, playing in traffic was okay. See, but then the, uh, the noose of this disease tightened around my neck a little bit more, and people began to see that, and now I'm, you know, I'm not just going into one fast food uh, 
drive through. I'm going into one. Boom, you know, maybe I'm going to go into another. I'm not just having half a pizza. I'm having the whole thing. You know, so now playing in traffic is um, the disease is going to, the consequences are going to become more um, apparent to me. And so now, oh, boy, Larry, you know, your cholesterol is going up, your weight's going up. Uh, you know, that may be a problem down the line. You might want to do something about that. See, but I was powerless. You know, I'm not normal. I'm not like a normal eater. So on and on the years go, and now, boy, I got an issue with blood pressure, and wait, 300, ooh, that's not a good number, Larry. You better get your diet in check. Otherwise, we're going to get you on on a, on a statin drug, cholesterol drug, and, uh, you know, and on and on. Oh, broken relationships, uh, chewing people up, spitting them out, bitter, shame, you know, all those things. If you're like me, you might, those might sound a little bit familiar. So more of the consequences. So the bottom line is um, I wasn't ready until I was ready to have God uh, help me. God was always there, present for me. And uh, that's what this, how this speaks to me. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. <clears throat> and thank you, Larry. Okay, Vasa O, please, you're up. Yes. Good morning, all of you. And thank you, Janice, for your service. And I am Vasa O, Recover Compulsive Vida, calling from Florida. And wow, this is, I could not understand this part of the, you know, of the story, the jaywalk. It took me a while to really understand it. But I could relate with Bill and food addicts and alcoholics. But I remember saying, it took me a while of, to understand the, the illustration of the jaywalker. Why on earth would anyone want get, to get thrilled out of skipping in front of fast cars? And, I mean, I thought that was really so crazy, but I didn't get it. I couldn't connect with it. And then he gets hit again, has a fractured skull, then walks later, um, you know, goes in the hospital, fixes himself up, whatever the doctor fix him up, and he comes out and he runs into the the trolley, breaks his arms, and then tells he, he won't do it again, you know? And then he, I think he went into detox or something like that and promised himself he was not going to do it. And, oh, my goodness, and this man, he put himself into torture for just to have fun to, out of the thrilled. Well, you know, when I started understanding the story, you know, I said, I was doing the same thing with the food. And, you know, it was getting progressively worse. And, you know, I would tell my husband over and over, Tomorrow, next week, I'm do- and he'd just look at me because he's not a food addict, you know, and he'll just look at me. Why do you do this to yourself? I wish I didn't know what I was doing. I needed to find a program to tell me and why I was doing that and how come I couldn't stop, you know. And I just thank God that, I mean, yes, this story, it's really absurd. I mean, I would never go in front of the truck or train and, and let them run over me, you know. But, you know, I, you know, again, I could relate with the, the disease. I was normal. In, yeah, I was normal. I'm not going to jump in front of the truck, but I was abnormal when it came to the food, the obsession, the compulsion, and trying to stop my own, my own willpower, by my own strength, you know. And it was getting progressive, you know. I it's by the grace of God I found the program just in time, 
because it was getting. I crossed over, and I had seen some deaths in my family because of this disease. And uh, I'm just so, so grateful that I have found, you know, the big book and the program and my higher power that led me into the program. I am just so grateful. Thank you for letting me share my path. And thank you, Vasa. Anyone else would like to share on these, this second paragraph or the first paragraph? Melissa C. Marcia. Javella. <clears throat> okay, we have Melissa C. Javella. Yeah. I hear Anybody else? Javella. Javora. Do I hear Javora? Yes. Devorah. Just wait a minute now. Okay. Um, Devorah and? Matt. 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 Okay, let's go with you four. Melissa C., Sarah W., Devorah, and Matt. Please go ahead, Melissa C. Hi, this is Melissa C., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New York. And, um, you know, I the first time I heard or read the story about the Jay Walker, um, it was 20-some-odd years ago, and um, my disease had not progressed as bad. I thought it was bad then. Um, you know, but so when I first read it, I wasn't ready to um, identify him. I, you know, to me, um, the big book, this was written for people who were drunks, and I wasn't drunk. I was I was fat. Um, and so I, I didn't realize that I was the jaywalker. You know, I kind of read these stories as this is interesting um, and thought it was crazy until um, years later I, I am that jaywalker. And, um, you know, it, my disease uh, progressed from occasional binging and overeating and thinking about food to running in front of the fire truck, you know, that, that – um, that my need for food um, was killing me. And, you know, the disease had to get so bad that, um, you know, when I think what was what was my broken back, my broken back was, you know, weighing over 300 pounds and nothing fitting and having health issues and not being able to live inside my brain. You know, my anxiety was choking me. Um, and and then, then when I and um, started listening to A Vision for You, and I heard the Jay Walker story again. I thought, oh, now I get it. And, uh, you know, and, and for me, that's, um, I'm so delighted that my disease got so bad that, um, that I'm forced to identify in because now I'm having a life and, and, and a recovery from where I know that, I can't entertain um, thoughts of jaywalking. I can't entertain thoughts of dangerous eating. Um, not, you know, I was thinking, like, you know, if you're a serious jaywalker, you can't run in front of a bicycle. You know, I'm, I'm a compulsive overeater. I can't keep outside of my planned, you know, um, program, my planned way of eating. And I'm um, so grateful to have that realization today and to identify with all of you. And well, thank you, Melissa C. Okay, Sarah W. Star one to unmute. Sarah W. 
All right, we'll get back to Sarah. Devorah, are you available? Yes. Hi. Good morning, everybody. This is Devorah S. in New Jersey, um, a grateful, recovered, uh, compulsive overeater. And, you know, this story actually happened to me. I observed this story um, many, many years ago. I wasn't, even, I wasn't even in program. My husband had a very big car accident, and he was in his room, and his roommate was a, um, a circus performer. And he had, he literally had every bone in his body broken because he was, um, thrown out of a cannon. And he was laying in the hospital and his wife was there and there they were planning the next, uh, stint. They were there, they were, they, the next stunt, what I, and they were there and they were just talking about next time this is what I'm gonna do. And I was sitting there just listening to this, watching them and, I couldn't believe, like, really, how could you? He couldn't move, and he was so, but yet, there they were planning it, and I had no idea that this was written somewhere in a book. I wasn't in program then, but I, you know, later when I came in and I came across this paragraph, I said, wow, this is me. I'm like that man in my, next, in my husband's roommate, because wasn't I always killing myself with the food? I was literally, um, I was literally committing suicide very, very slowly, and I didn't even realize that. And, you know, today I'm so grateful that I know who I am today. Um, you know, I know that um, this disease will kill me as I've seen other people die from this disease. And there's only, you know, there's, there's things that I have to do to make sure that I don't die. And that is, you know, to abstain, um, to work the steps, to live in 10, 11, and 12, and um, and then, you know, I, I don't have to be that jaywalker. Um, and each day I have to know my powerlessness. And each day I have to know that God is there for me and that there is a solution and I don't have to find one. It's written right here. Um, the wheel has been invented already. I don't have to try to manufacture something new, you know. And um, and just really, really grateful to to be here. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Well, thank you, Devorah. Sarah W., are you with us? Hmm. Okay. How about Matt? Matt, you're up. Are you there, Matt? Star one to one mute. All right. Who else would like to share on these paragraphs? Alice M. Hi, Dennis. This is Stephanie C. from Florida. Okay. We'll have Alice M. And then we'll have Stephanie. Go ahead. Yes. It's Miriam. And Miriam. Miriam, you may go after Stephanie. Anna. Anna. All right. Alice M., please. Okay, this is Alice I'm from Florida, the compulsive overeater. Um, you know, I, I can totally identify Anne with this jaywalker. And I tell you, the, the farther I get along in recovery and my abstinence, the more sick I realize I was. <laughs> I can just say that. Um, but, uh, you know, my behavior was so reckless and so dangerous. It's just so risky, just like this jaywalker. You know, I didn't just overeat. I deliberately forced myself to vomit each time using a very safe 
unsafe technique year after year after year. And I did get a thrill out of being able to eat anything in any amount I wanted but never having to suffer, never having to suffer the consequence of weight gain, ever, ever. And um, and that was kind of like, you know, like someone else said before, you know, playing in the traffic. I played in the traffic and I got away each time. Um, and some who knew me, um, who weren't food addicts like me, who didn't have this disease, they sometimes did think it was just a really a somewhat odd behavior I had for maintaining my figure, you know. But then luck, like with the jaywalker, luck would, would desert me. And... Um, and I would start getting injured, so to speak. You know, I would have to, I'd be down and out, face down on the pavement and have to go into inpatient treatment time and time again. And eventually I'd get back out and go back walking in that traffic, playing in the traffic again, um, binging and purging again. And then, I, you know, I would get injured some more. And this time I'm um, a suicide attempt. And I'd be back in treatment and then back out. You know, and just just the same thing, trying to, you know, just playing the, you know, gambling. Um, you know, then years later, I would get, I like four years later, four years ago, I got hit again, and I'm splattered a little more on the pavement this time, you know, and, and there's more people in my life this time. Now there's a husband and a daughter, you know, and, uh, and also a new horrific pain in my chest every time I purge. So, you know, just like a jaguar, I say, okay, I'm done for good. I'm done, you know, but um, it begins to sound very familiar, that saying I'm done. And I usually knew, you know, I don't think I am done, you know. So, like in this story, you know, people began telling me, you know, you're rolling the dice, you're running out of time. It's not going to, you're going to get caught one of these times, Alice. Are you going to lose? And um, I just, I just have to say, you know, you know, thank goodness now I have, um, I've been abstinent following a food plan exactly um, for eight months. I haven't been vomited for eight months this time around. But I see in now in my recovery the absurdity and incomprehensible behaviors are, are for me, are balking at making amends, trying to manipulate my dietician, you know, to get, to get something my way, um, being resistant to doing 10 steps. So, um, and that's absurd. That's absurd, but that's where I see it. That's where I see the jaywalking today um, in quote, unquote, my recovery. So I'm glad I'm willing to be honest and to look at these things today and stand in that, that principle of self-examination because um, I do not want to go back into that traffic. And with that, I pass. Mm. Thank, oh, you, hello? Thank you, hello? Alice M. Can you hear me? Who is this? Oh, it's Matt. I wanted to share. There's something wrong with the phone system. I apologize. I couldn't. I was unmuted, and you guys couldn't hear me. Okay. Well, please go ahead. You. We were calling you. You can get up next, Matt. Yes. Go thank ahead. you so much. Hi, my name. Now, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Alice. Um, my name. Is, my name is Matt. I'm a compulsive overeater in New Jersey. Um, yeah, this is really powerful language here. I, 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 when I'm reading these paragraphs with, with the rest of the group, I hear, I see, and I hear the insanity in the words, and that's basically what the disease causes me to be insane. You know, I came in the rooms in 2007, and I became what I call an OA darling. I knew it all, and I'm going to be fine. I'm going to walk across, and I got cocky after a while. I thought I could walk across that street with impunity and walk up to the other side without being hit by the car. But, you know, I became road pavement, I, you know, because I just got cocky and I thought that I was doing all the work and, 
not relying on a higher power of any understanding because I thought I was doing it on my own. And I had to be knocked down and, and like Humpty Dumpty and cracked a few times. And uh, finally now, I finally am beaten into submission, you know, beyond the point where I, I finally asked for help. And uh, I no human, no human power can help me. I've asked tons of people in the program. I've had 12 sponsors. And you know what? It was, it was all for nothing because I wasn't willing to admit, I think, deep down that I really was a compulsive overeater deep down. Uh, even though the, um, it was very obvious by looking at me and my, my behaviors that I definitely was one of you. And I realized that um, the isolation, when I finally burned all the bridges with all the people in my area because of my insanity and when I was in relapse, I'm very grateful that, you know, those people did stop talking to me because I realized if I would have had all the people still around me, I probably could be dead by now because I needed to rely on God alone and my higher power alone, not anybody else. And um, with that, um, I'll pass. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Matt. Okay. How about Stephanie? Stephanie, you're up, Dim. Hi. This is Stephanie C. Can you hear me? I can hear you good. Okay. Awesome. Uh, this is Stephanie C. from Florida, recovering compulsive overeater and bulimic. And I had to share because this is not only me in the sense of my eating disorder and of my addiction, but also me in the sense that I love running in front of cars and getting away with it and not getting run over. And I've done it a lot. I get a thrill out of it. Um, and I thought that I, I, I love getting away with things, period. Like, I feel so good to be able to, like, that feeling of adrenaline and not getting caught or getting to the other side, that is my entire <laughs> disease. It's like, what can I do? How much can I do? And before I can, like, still bear the consequences, but just a little bit. And I loved running in front of cars and I know this isn't literally about that but that is what I did and I've never been hit by a car but in my disease holy crap like I have been at to treatment I've been in um, many times thousands of dollars it's I've lost a lot um, and I've swallowed I mean I'm also bleeding so I've swallowed toothbrushes I've you know thrown up blood I've binged the point that I can't breathe, I, well, I mean, it, it, it's, <laughs> the insanity is, is really obvious to me, but um, now, but then I really just thought that I was powerful or that I was um, this exception that was always going to get away with everything, and I got a thrill out of that today. Like, the thrill is definitely diminished because it doesn't feel as good to, I mean, I haven't even walked in front of a car in a really long time, which is great. And I also haven't been hurting myself with food, but that's only because I'm being guided through the steps. I'm being guided through this book, and I and this paragraph doesn't, you know, such a man would be crazy, wouldn't he? Yeah, I am. Such a woman would be crazy. I am insane. I'm insane with food I, every time. Like I want to be able to to eat, and I and the lies I tell myself are insane. And I've made lots of promises, and they've never worked. So obviously. The, um, you know, me trying every known means to get the idea out of my head that I can eat like a normal person and that maybe I don't have that bad of an allergy. No, <laughs> that that's my will. My will hasn't worked, and I just want to, you know, share that because I will, I, I will forget everything that I've experienced that's not been pleasant. I forget, especially in terms of this disease. So. I love this book, I love this meeting, and I love this reminder. Thank you so much for letting me share, and I pass. 
Yes, thank you, Stephanie. Okay, we have Miriam. Are you there, Miriam? Miriam? Thank you. Thank you, Janice. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Maybe a little bit louder would be great. Okay, thank you so much. This is uh, Miriam calling from Israel. Good. A compulsive yeah. overreader, living in the solution one day at a time just for today. Well, you know, it, it, I'm not very surprised to read this paragraph today, but, you know, in the beginning, if I would have read this paragraph like I, you know, they read in my uh, food fellowship, you know, many other things from this book, I would find it very surprising, like say, well, that's not me, you know, I really came here because I want to lose a little bit of weight and I, you know, and what what are these people talking about? I don't understand and whatever, but, you know, time has gone through and, you know, thank you, God. We learn a little bit, you know, and I've seen that this is not an exaggeration. This is really showing the, the, you know, severity and, and of this disease. And and what it says here, our behavior is as, as absurd and incomprehensible with respect to the first drink or the first bite. Yes, I identify with this. And, and the, the good thing is that we're here all together in a journey to find the solution. Because this, this disease, you know, doesn't have any human solution. It has, the solution is to just bring God into our lives in every area. And, you know, it's an obsession of the mind and a, and a progressive disease. And unless we work it out, I, I know by my experience, because I, I do live in 10, 11, and 12 now, with the best of my, my, my ability, it's a constant work that we have to keep doing and growing and, and, and persevering and, and, and never let go. That's the main thing. Just keep going. And it's, uh, it's a wonderful program that really changes our lives in many, many areas. And the main area that it changes is that it makes us close to our high power, which is really everything. God is everything or nothing. All the best. And I pass. Well, thank you, Miriam. How about Anna? Anna, did you want to share? Press star one to unmute. Okay, is Sarah W. back? Okay, anybody else before we... Janice, this is Renata. I think uh, you understood Anna, but I, I said my name. My connection was bad, though. Did you want to share, Renata? Yes, please. Yes, please. Go ahead. Okay, good morning. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata, Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. Um, you know, it says here, Queer Ideas of Fun. And, you know, my queer ideas of fun were all about eating and drinking. You know, that that was fun for me for a while. Everything I did had to, for fun, had to have food and drinking included. You know, going out to restaurants, it was all about the food. Going to friends' house, it was all about the food. Going out dancing, even, was all about the food. I, I've been to clubs that I left, like, in the middle of the night at, like, midnight to go next door, binge, and then go back into the club. You know, going to the movies was all about the food. Traveling was all about, you know, special specialty foods from different countries, you know, and, and that was the fun. Like, if these things didn't have the food and the drinking included, 
it, it wasn't fun. I couldn't picture fun in it. And then, but at some point, food really stopped being fun. You know, it it, it starts being a necessity. And, uh, you know, I started to realize how it was stealing my life, you know, how I was, I was miserable, isolated, because then I didn't want to, I don't, I didn't want to do any of those things anymore. I wanted to stay home, depressed with my binge foods and not have to deal with anything or anyone, you know, and because I, I felt so, so ashamed and so, so much self-hatred that that's all I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, when when I realized that, like the jaywalker, then I I decided to stop altogether, you know, and just to realize that I couldn't. That the craziness in my head, the obsession in my head, that told me over and over and over to eat every time, like it, it always won, you know. I couldn't do anything about it, and um, even when I came to OA and I was separated from my binge foods, uh, you know, that didn't solve my problem. You know, um, I had to really, you know, work this twelve steps just like they're described in the big book, to be finally, you know, made free of this obsession. Today, the 10-step promises are true in my life. You know, I've been restored to sanity. I do not have to hurt myself with food anymore, you know. And as long as I keep working the steps every day, as long as I trust God, clean house, and help others, I can remain sane. I do not have to use food to to really kill myself. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Okay, Renata, thank you. Okay, Charles, so I'm going to have you read uh, that next paragraph and share, and that will wrap it up. Go ahead, Charles. Start one to one. Hi, Janice. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Janice, for your service. This is Charles H. Good morning, all visionaries. Charles H., a recovered visionary just for today. You may think our illustration is too ridiculous, but is it? We who have been through the ringer have to admit if we substituted alcoholism for jaywalking, the illustration would fit us exactly. However intelligent we may have been in other respects where alcohol has been involved, we have been strangely insane. It's strong language, but isn't it true? First of all, I, I you know, I want to say rest in peace to and rest in peace to all those that have and will die from jaywalking. I want to take like ten seconds, a moment of silence for this. Thank God I am not jaywalking anymore. I said I thank God, my God, that I'm not jaywalking anymore. You know, I've been jaywalking for forty something years, right? Fractured skull. Yeah, high sugar, broken arm, white white flour, high blood pressure, all that stuff. And, you know, I always said, you know, uh, in the doctor's opinion, uh, where it says, I emerge remorseful with a firm resolution not to binge again. This is repeated over and over unless a psychic change, there is little hope for my recovery. Then that that word that suddenly, in the doctor's opinion, that suddenly is different from the suddenly on page 36 as it pertains to Jim. That suddenly 
in the in the doctor's opinion is like, you know, yeah, he was hopeless, he was done, he was on death's bed. But suddenly, when he received that psychic change, how do I receive that psychic change? By walking up and down them steps every single day, by by being accountable to my sponsor and sponsee, and working his twelve step program every day. That's how I, that's how I get that psychic change, and knowing that my brain needs to be brainwashed every single day, um, spiritually. You know, page thirty five says, says it. I, I got to keep going back to that, Jim. You know, made a beginning. This chapter three tells us about people that have so much money that did this and that, and suddenly the thought crossed their mind that the money could cover them, but the money was enabling them to die. I could eat out every night and kill myself. So, um, yeah, so rest in peace to all those because, unfortunately, this was, you know, unfortunately, I was a dog that kept returning to the vomit until I got that psychic change. I couldn't stop at the stop sign. I was breaking, breaking the light, getting all types of tickets, breaking my legs, breaking my back. We binge food. Right now I'm in the kitchen looking at binge food. That food ain't my business. It's my family's food. And I'm not saying it from a self-righteous standpoint. I've got sickness that I've got to treat every single day. And this is my medication, a vision for you. And with that in my past, my name is Charles, a recovered visionary, just for today. Thank you. Well, thank you, Charles. Anyone else that would like to share with this panel? This is this Amy. Panel? Amy? Please go ahead, Amy. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for your service. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Just trying to jump in here. However intelligent we may be, have been in other respects where alcohol has been involved and with us food, we have been strangely insane. It's strong language, but isn't it true? You know, I have found that when they ask you a question in the big book, we stop, we think, I listen, I look, I ask myself, is it true? They say this program is one of ego reduction and humility. And I can understand where they're coming from, however intelligent. I mean, we come to this program from all walks of life. And many of us have achieved and persevered and used our willpower. We have doctors. We have lawyers. We have mothers. We have everything in this program. And some areas, you know, I was a college graduate. I was, you know, I did things. I achieved things. My family motto was all it takes is a little willpower. But isn't it true that when it came to food, wasn't I strangely as insane as this jaywalker? And not just over a short period of time, just like this jaywalker, he goes through years, years of insane behavior. I mean, the bottom line is that once we cross, or once I cross the line to the physical phenomenon of craving, the allergy, and the mental obsession, the greater aspect, I was insane in this area, regardless of how I was in other areas and what I achieved and what I could use my willpower with. When it came to the food, I was strangely insane over a long period and decades of time. And when it stops here and it says, isn't it true, question mark, I had to stop. I had to think. I had to say to myself, is it true? Is what I am doing true? I had to talk to myself. Amy, what is your behavior like around food? Well, let's see. What have I done with food? You know, I'm a bulimic. I'm a compulsive exerciser. I binge my brains out. I eat for three and four days at a time. I consume massive amounts of calories. Was my behavior sane? And the reason why they smashed this home, I mean, we just talked about gin, the whiskey and the milk. People laugh, but the insanity is there. We take a look at this, the jaywalker, you know, breaking the skull, the back, all of those things. And I had to address my behavior. 
because of this mental obsession in my mind, you know, we talk about the sick mind not being able to heal the sick mind. You know, at certain points we do get a moment of what I call divine intervention or a moment of clarity where we have to stop and look and listen and ask, what is it that I am doing with my, what is it am I doing? And then humbly concede to my innermost self that I am crazy with food, that I am powerless. Let the ego go so that I can begin to work this program. It all starts with step one, admitting powerlessness. But we constantly fight against our egos, or at least I did, and what I thought I should be able to persevere and conquer because I could do it in other areas. But in this area, I could not. And they constantly are smashing it home in this chapter. We're going to run into another example with Fred coming up, thinking that knowledge would do it. But that is not the case with me in compulsive overeating, that's for sure. But the grace is, is that once I surrendered and I put my ego aside and I humbly admitted powerless, I was then able to channel all those energy forward to working these steps and having that psychic change so that I could become recovered. And with that, I'll pass. Well, thank you, Amy. We can have one more share. Anybody like to step up? Sarah W. Yeah, Sarah. Okay, Sarah, you'll be our last share. Yeah, it wasn't me earlier, Janice. I'm, I'm oh. not sure it was. But anyway, this is Sarah W. I'm so grateful oh. to be here on the line today, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Iowa. Um, the thought I have in my mind is on the paragraph where it says, on through the years, this conduct continues, accompanied by his uh, continual promises to be careful. You know, I hear a lot of compassion in this guy. You know, he wants to stop. I mean, he's not a bad guy trying to get good the sick guy trying to get well. So what is the prescription that we need? You know, yesterday it was brought to my attention, as I've heard so many times before, by my sponsor, you know, God first, recovery, and then everything else. And I think that's the whole key to the whole thing. You know, I can't serve two masters. That if I'm serving the food, then I can't have, you know, my higher power. I just won't feel clear. I won't feel connected. So I'm so grateful for this knowledge today and that another layer of the onion gets peeled each time I walk into a 10-step, each time I'm willing to own up to my own vulnerability, and that the food really doesn't help me. The food continues to hurt me. Why am I so self-destructive? Does it really matter why? I want the solution. How can I get better? And it's only by working through every single step and then staying in the 10th through the 12th and remembering the first every day of my life that I will get better. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, uh, Sarah, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Elaine B., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Elaine B. So one to unmute. Sorry about that, Janice. I thought I was muted. This is Elaine B. Recovered in Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. 
This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.